This is RPG A Day Month with Andy Goodman from Expedition to the Grizzly Peaks. Day 25, Lever. So day, I don't know, where are we now? I don't know, it's a day. It's a smoky day in the Bay Area from all those fires. I hope they can put them out. So today's word is lever. Yes, lever, not lever. That is one American pronunciation I will never get behind. Which is weird because I've always said leverage rather than leverage. I think most people say leverage in the UK, but of course we say lever. Lever just sounds wrong to me, always has. Um, there are certain Americanizations I will sort of end up saying. I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm kind of drifting to a mid-Atlantic accent, I, I think. Or it, it feels to me like I am, or at least in certain words. So it's Lever. And, and it should be Lever because actually RPG A Day is clearly written by an English person. Because we had humour the other day, and that was H-U-M-O-U-R. That's the, i.e. the correct way to spell humour. Um, yeah, the correct way. <laughs> so, lever. Lever! <laughs> lever, Joey, she ain't worth it. Um, no, lever. What are the levers that you can apply to get your players to do things? I was thinking about what I could do today's episode about, because it's not a good word, frankly. I'm sure other people more creative and smarter than me will come up with more interesting uh, interpretations of it. For, but for me, a lever is a way of applying force to something. Of, of applying immense force to something using, um, you know, mechanics, using physics. Um, and so the question or the thought that came to mind was, what things can we use to apply force to our players? And, and then I immediately thought, this is a really sketchy topic um, because the entire premise is probably wrong. But I'm going to dive into it anyway. I, I think it's worth exploring because we have to be honest with ourselves. We DMs and GMs, and I, I think most people that listen to this podcast are one or the other or both. Um, let's be honest with ourselves. Yes, I know we are all in this lovely, wibbly-wobbly, collaborative, um, emergent, world-building, constructing, uh, otherworldly immersion, sloppy, ploppy, group love, um, daisy chain of <laughs> players and GMs. Ah, I found out last night that daisy chain, or at least the the very small sample of my three American players, daisy chain doesn't mean in, in the US what it means in the UK. They didn't think there was anything rude about the word daisy chain. God. Oh, look it up. It's there. It's on Urban Dictionary. Anyway. So let's be real. Let's be real. 
we are always trying to get our players to do stuff. We are. No matter how um, collaborative, open, and emergent we want to be, we're always trying to get them to do something. Because if they don't do something, if they don't do anything, then the game doesn't really happen. And some players are very proactive and will make stuff happen. And others will kind of sit around waiting for stuff to happen. And I'm not making any value judgments here. Because actually, I think you need a bit of a mix of both. There's this rather... Well, I'd say it's a rather rather unfortunate term that I've heard applied quite often to, to games about having a rainmaker. Having a rainmaker in the group. Now, I know some Anchorites have never heard this expression because it was talked about on Discord, but it's a real expression. It actually um, it comes from sales, from, from selling, from deal-making. You know, the rainmaker. Actually, it, it, if you think about it, also... I think it was also from um, from the law, uh, the uh, legal profession. A rainmaker. I think it's even a John Grisham novel, isn't it? And they made it into a film. Is the guy that just made it rain for his clients, making it rain, putting money in people's pockets. That's what rainmaking is. Now, in the game, uh, gaming, obviously. No one's getting any money in their pockets. But the rainmaker is is clearly the person that makes stuff happen. Um, is that is that makes um, stuff happen? Oh shit! The park is closed. Park closed because of extreme fire hazard. So, so and yet someone is walking. Someone is walking their dog into the park. So does this mean? <laughs> I'm not sure what this means. Um, means that I can't drive in. I, I was about to drive and go for my run. You see, I have to drive to run. Oh, it's a long story. Um, park closed. Well, someone someone is breaking the law. Breaking the law. Breaking the law. All right. Oh, looks like I'm driving home. I might have to uh, try and run. The reason, okay, I'll tell the, the reason I, I drive down here to go for my run is that Grizzly Peaks, as you would gather from the name is extremely steep and I am old and fat and I cannot run up a one in four incline uh, one in four obviously is nonsense you know 25% incline is like a cliff but um, I cannot I cannot run up the inclines around Grizzly Peak so I have to drive down to the lower 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 lying area and it's a nice run here I run around the lake but not today um, what the hell was I talking about? Making it rain. Yeah, the rainmaker. So, the rainmaker is the person who, at the table, is the motivating force, is, is the one making things happen. Now, on one hand, I recognize this as a reality. Certain players are rainmakers. On the other hand, I think it's extremely dismissive a term because it's implying that no one else is contributing. And that if that rainmaker wasn't there, then nothing would be happening. But I had, even yesterday, even last night, as recently as last night, playing with three very experienced role players. Although one isn't that experienced, but 
she's she's been playing my mask campaign for 10 months every twice a week so she's she's gained as much experience i think in the last 10 months as some people gain in 10 years but um anyway with three very experienced players they were kind of a bit stuck um and there are some reasons why we were stuck because we were playing a short one shot I maybe mean, they didn't know their characters that well or they or, or they did with it's a one shot it's a fourth episode of a fourth session <laughs> i said episode fourth session of a one shot um but um they they weren't they were kind of reluctant to engage with the obvious next thing that was meant to happen so it, i'm not going to say what it was because i i want to play this scenario um with some other people sometimes it is really good fun but there was the obvious next thing to do but it was a bit you know if you were really a person in that situation you would not engage with it but one it's a game it's a role-playing game we're meant to do stuff and secondly it's pulp you are pulp heroes as i told them get into that mindset make stuff happen um and I think Call of Cthulhu can suffer from this because you are so vulnerable to things if you're not pulp that um, it takes a, an act of, well, I, I'll say it, bravery <laughs> to go and, and engage with things because the safest thing often is just to run away as it would be in any of these, these role-playing game situations. You know, from Tales of the Loot to D&D, the least logical thing is to go and engage with the adventure because if, if you do that, you could die or bad stuff could happen to you. And if you don't, well, you know, you'll probably live a very nice life in your village, you know, um, living as a, as a shit farmer in your village, farming shit. Yeah, a zero-level shit farmer. That's, um, what the hell is going on? There's a truck, a flatbed, just standing in the middle of the road, not moving, with a portaloo, porta potty just standing there yeah so how do we look in that situation i was just blatant i said guys you're pulp heroes can you just go in and, and do this thing i mean i know we're we're, we're now metagaming we're out of character but look the adventure's over there <laughs> there's a big fucking flashing sign over its head go in and vent and advent with that adventure um, but this is the least attractive lever to use because it's kind of, it's basically admission, ad admitting that you've failed. <laughs> you failed as a group to somehow move things along. You know, I failed as a GM and they failed as players to actually do anything. Now, we were having fun role-playing, but um, as I think Danny said, and as I said, we agreed at one point, we really should have finished that adventure last night and, and we haven't because... <laughs> <laughs> they were they were dithering for too much. Now, I think to lesser degrees this happens um, all the time in role playing games. Now, you know you could argue that that sometimes that dithering, that fucking about in town, that those shopping trips, those um, needless scenes with NPCs talking about irrelevant stuff, that they're all part of the game and they're fun. And yes, they are. I'm not sure about shopping never liked shopping trips in the real world or or in my fictional made-up worlds um they, and yes they are part of the fun but but they also get in the way of of, of the really exciting stuff I, I think that they have there has to be a balance so how do you get players you know how do you apply the right force with the right levers to get them to um 
play the game? That is a good question. And I will have to think hard about the answer because that blunt force method, that blunt force technique, you can't use that a lot because I, I, I think that can do damage. If you just keep saying, get on with it, I, I think it, it can actually undermine the cohesion of the group and, and make it feel like you're just scolding them. Uh, maybe I did sort of scold them yesterday and I don't know whether they were pissed off about it or not. I don't think they were, but if you do that a lot, you are going to piss them off eventually. So you need to come up with much subtler and cleverer levers to, to get your players to do what you want them to do. And look, I'm going to admit, I'm going to put my hand on and say, part of my job is to get them to do what I want to do. And I know a lot of DMs and GMs will will throw their hands up in the air and say, no, 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 it's nothing to do with that. It's about it's about letting them do what they want. And yes, it is. Of course it is. But what they want should be to engage with the game. And when you get when you see things happening where they're not engaging with the game, where they're getting distracted, where they're drifting, where um, maybe half the group are feeling annoyed that things are moving too slowly, you've got to intervene. You know, don't just let things play out because actually you can cause more harm than good by doing that. So, here are the levers that I have used. These are not definitive. These are not profound. These are probably not even... Um, giving you any information that you don't already have, but maybe, never know, never know. So, the first one, and the most obvious one, and the one that I use all the time, is move the action to them. If they aren't willing to take an action, make stuff happen to them. Have them jumped by some cultists. Have a bedraggled NPC turn up with the clue. Have them stumble across a scene of a crime or a crime being enacted, a murder happening, a murder most foul. Um, don't let them have a safe space. Make everywhere treacherous, dangerous, exciting and, and, and potentially life-threatening. So that's number one. Move the action to them. It's really easy. Um, Got to be a little bit careful with it because... It can be that, oh no, not again, feeling, or aren't we ever going to have a rest? And and it's interesting because in, in the current Mars campaign, um, they're probably in their first truly hostile environment, really, like almost universally hostile environment. They're in Cairo, which is the home of the Black Brotherhood. And so yeah, there's danger kind of potentially anywhere. Um, I am trying to give them breathers, of course. The, the, the trouble is, you know, logically speaking, and players, don't, don't get too worried. <laughs> you know, if this was really happening, this Black brother, Brotherhood, this, these, this group of evil cultists hell-bent on bringing back Queen Nitocris and, and um, the Black Pharaoh and all this business, they knew that there were a group of well-armed and and dangerous enemies mucking running amuck in their hometown they wouldn't they wouldn't stop until they were dead they would just keep sending more and more and worse and worse and bigger and bigger 
things until they wiped them out. They they wouldn't just go, oh, you know what? Those two those two assassination attempts didn't work. We'll just give up now. They just wouldn't. But it wouldn't. It would. It would actually make a pretty annoying campaign, um, and it would get re- repetitive and tedious. So, gotta be careful. Bring the action when it's needed. Do not do not use it at the start of every session to kick things off. That would be foolish. Now I'm thinking maybe I should do it a bit just to fuck with their heads. Anyway, I won't. I won't. Probably won't. Might not. Let's see. Let's see. Okay, lever number two. And I've said this before um, in a different way, but use someone that they feel close to, that they have an emotional bond with. Don't, Don't do the cliched thing of just kidnapping them or killing them to drive motivation, you know, or them finding them tied up and with their finger cut off in a, you know, the, the, yes, you can do those things occasionally, but, but the, they're, they're just too, that's like a blunt, again, blunt force. Um, yeah, sure, you can provoke a reaction, but far more subtle and clever, I think, um, and, and far more affecting is to is to present situations where these favoured NPCs are are doing things that just stimulate and trigger that the, the PCs don't either want to join in to help, to assist them in some way, to get them out of a pickle. But don't just kill them willy-nilly to, to create the revenge story. That, oh, I don't know. I, I find that very weak, to be honest. I find that, yes, it can be a motivation, it'll cause a reaction, but... You're almost, you're almost being sadistic to the player then, because if they have indicated that they like this NPC, that they feel attached to them, you killing them off, you killing off the NPC just willy nilly, is a, is an act of, it's kind of like a, it's a malicious act. So, I'm pretty sure I've never done that, or maybe I have. Have I? No, I don't think I have. Not, not in masks. Don't think I, I might have done it once in our long. D&D Gormenghast campaign. I mean, NPCs die in that the whole time. And my players weren't that attached to any of them. The, the one that they were attached to, my Cornish pirate, Captain T- Taranto, who was essentially based on Redbeard Rum from Blackadder, played by the inimical, inimic, inimicable <laughs> Tom Baker. Inimitable. The inimitable Tom Baker. Amazing, amazing. You have a woman's legs! Yes. Ah, I bet you've never had your legs bitten off by the spindly killer fish and spat out. And nor have you. Ah, that's where you're wrong, Melody. Oh, God. So, um, I didn't go all full... I didn't go full Tom Baker. I did not. Captain Taranto was, was a somewhat... Non, non-ridiculous character. He was ridiculous in some ways, but not fully. He wasn't even really a pirate. At least that's what he said. He denied being a pirate at every every time. He was he was a ship's captain. That happened to do occasional piratey things. Does that make you a pirate? Does it really? I don't know. <sighs> yeah. So. I think the most effective use I ever made of applying leverage, <laughs> leverage or leverage, leverage through an NPC was with this character, Jamie. 
Now, you may have now become a bit aware of who Jamie is through, <laughs> through little bits and pieces through the actual play and through Sid's character's reaction to well, you know, desire to be with Jamie and, and all, you know, there's a whole load of stuff. And and he was a character that was invented by Sid just in, in her backstory. She came up with a really interesting backstory for the relationship with Jamie. And and it became quite an important task. And and so once so, so once I was able to put Jamie into these scenes with with Jack, you know, the two drunk Scotsmen, uh, <laughs> with um, you know, being rescuing rescuing Cole from near near death and, and stealing that furtive kiss. <laughs> um, those are all highly motivating moments, creating leverage, and not not through obvious means, but through so relatively. Well, I wouldn't say subtle, but but maybe slightly more. You know, character developing types of scenes and I, I think that is a great way to get into act in fact one of the things that worried me about Jamie and the reason I sort of did a bit of a deus ex machina to get him into a different place so that they couldn't interact with him anymore was that the motivation to interact with him was so powerful for some of the characters that I thought it was going to split the the, group, the party up that that um, you know that Cole Sid's character would actually not want to continue with the mission, and I thought that was a shame. Well, as it turned out, well things didn't quite work out, did they? But but I thought um, I need to sort of backstage him for a while because he's too powerful a lever. He he moves entire planets, so to speak. If you have a long enough lever, you can move the Earth. So. Yeah, number two. And I think I'll stop at three because, well, these are already too long, these podcasts, and I've run out of ideas, at least for now. So the third, and possibly the most potent lever, is making them hate the bad guy making them really hate the bad guy now this is the most potent and also the hardest lever to apply to get purchase with because as I have discovered over the years whether the players hate or don't hate the bad guy is often down to just a few little moments almost throwaway moments that just push them in the in the right way or fail to connect completely and i've had bad guys over the years in other campaigns um i'm not talking about mars now because that is my my thing um doesn't really apply in one shots um it takes time to develop hatred you see you're not just gonna immediately hate the bad guy just because he's wearing he's got a mustache and wearing a black hat um you just aren't because hatred is a powerful emotion um it shouldn't be um tossed off willy-nilly trivialized it it's it, it's also something you can't fake really it's a bit like laughter you can't fake laughter you can't fake hatred i think of a of a character unless you genuinely feel that 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 character that enemy has has done things to you that that um that need need to be addressed that need to be dealt with that need to be the revenge needs to be taken and and you know as i said in, in one of the for, for, for the previous one about npcs don't just have them kill off their pal 
that's cheap and it's easy and they may not even work if they don't really care about the NPC but but um, assuming they do just don't don't just kill them off far far better is to have have them maybe seduce or sway or persuade the friend the NPC to, to, to maybe come over to their side that creates drama and tension something intense um, killing them that's a, that's a cheap shot and um, actually doesn't lead to a very satisfying conclusion that I, I don't I don't know if, if if the actual culmination the satisfaction of killing off the major villain is all it's cracked up to be I think the the power you get out of that is the ongoing torment that that, that villain is bringing to the players characters lives that I think is where this massive amount of motivational force can come from so you know the funny thing is this is a little bit of a secret and and my players maybe don't want to listen to this bit so I will leave a, a little bit of a gap for my Master of Nile Athotep gang now is the time to switch off if you don't want to hear any spoilers it's not really spoilers exactly but maybe it's like what's going on behind the curtain sort of thing so I'll leave a little gap okay I'm back if you're listening now I warned you I have not been trying to get them to hate the Black Pharaoh <laughs> quite the opposite in fact I, I want them to feel seduced by him to feel the pull of his power because he has been interacting with them in some interesting ways obviously the most blatant one the most brutal one is when he he just discarded Cole's mind just just cast it down into the into an eternal pit of torment and, and drove him mad but in almost every other interaction he's been more I wouldn't say friendly but amused and interested in in the player characters now they quite rightly I would say for, for given given the stuff they've been through and and the consequences of coming up against his cults they absolutely hate him they loathe him they want his destruction and look that's fine that's fine but I wasn't trying to do that I, I was actually trying to do something different which which obviously didn't work <laughs> well that, that's okay it doesn't always have to work but what was good was that by playing him in the seductive way in some senses he was obviously also a heartless, unfeeling, malicious god who just wanted to see these ants wriggling around in, 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 in confusion and pain. But at the same time, he does find humans interesting, which is why he gets these cults to, to kind of follow him and do insane things on his behalf. Um, it's almost like he's experimenting. But, yeah, so... That that is my that is my confession is that actually I suppose in one way I failed because I, I I think it would have made perhaps a more interesting tension if they if they weren't entirely hating of him but mostly hating but there's something about him is attractive I mean he is the most powerful being they've potentially ever or could ever come across um, there's something about that there's something interesting about that. But um, but whatever whatever the the failings of my of my attempts to make him somewhat somewhat of a 
of a attractive character. The fact that he created this such a strong reaction of hatred, that was that was amazing, actually, because I, I hadn't seen that before. I hadn't seen beyond just a token hatred towards my my NPCs in even in my long running Gormangars campaign. I don't think there was ever really an enemy that they passionately hated, that they would have almost gone to the ends of the earth to almost almost bring down destruction on themselves in an attempt to destroy him. I also think my, my the villain that I created for that was too abstract. He wasn't present enough. So that was probably my fault. And I'm making sure that doesn't happen in Mars because because actually, again, spoilers on, at no point um, up to where we are now are you meant to really meet the Black Pharaoh. And, and my players they've they've actually encountered him three times in total um i I wanted him to to be a part of the story and you know when you can bring a rich and motivating evil force like that into into your story and have him directly interacting with the characters that can be an incredible lever for propelling them forward pushing them out of their safety zone into somewhere altogether darker and altogether more dangerous